It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Could make me be true. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the talk film society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and each episode I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies. From classics to modern hits. My guest today is Mike Denniston. How are you? I'm very good. And you, you nailed it, man. You nailed it on my last name. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I was, I was nervous while I was doing it. <laughs> uh, how's it going? What's going on? It's very good. I have my trusty uh, dog beside me who is like my number one fan. But he's also the one that like edits me best. He like he's the one that like, taps me when I'm talking too much. So you have like your own sort of pre-approved editor working with me oh, if I start to ramble. Uh, but yeah, no things are good here. Um, and I only feel bad about the film that we're going to talk about because I feel like uh, you got strong-armed into discussing this, and I felt bad about it for like a month now since we started talking about doing this podcast together. Well, so. Honestly, don't feel bad because I actually I enjoyed the movie more than I thought that I would. Okay, good. Um, and actually, why don't you introduce the film for us today? Yeah, so uh, listen to your show, and you and I started talking over Twitter, uh, which I'm I'm a big rom com fan anyway. But like of the like options we were discussing, uh, the one we're going to be talking about, there was some debate uh, if it is indeed a rom com. Uh, and it is Alexander Payne's Sideways, which um, two people who knew I was coming on the show, um, my wife and our mutual friend Dave, uh, when I told them like, "Hey, I, you know, gotta stop chatting. I'm uh, getting ready to do it. Pod to be, <laughs> pod to be you." They said, uh, "You know, say something, uh, say something good about wine." And I know nothing about wine. I'm not a wine <laughs> so I'm not and I'm not the target audience for this. Uh, you know, I'm not a resident of California. I'm not from that area, I'm from Kentucky. Uh, so this is not about bourbon, which I guess is like our uh, alcoholic beverage of choice right. make here. Um, and it's a movie that I actually didn't see on initial release because I didn't feel like it would speak to me anyway. So I sort of came to this one late somewhere on DVD down the road. Uh, but it's one I revisit a lot, and I'm getting closer to the age of the two characters, <laughs> these yeah. old white dudes in California, uh, one of whom's about to get married and the other one who's divorced and still not over that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why this is the one, like, uh, an option I threw out there other than uh, maybe I just like to watch it, like, you know, once every couple of years. Well, um, okay, so I guess I do in some ways owe you an apology because I was, I think I was just like misremembering the film, but it's definitely more of a romantic comedy than I thought that it was. Cause like, I thought it was just like, you know, these two guys just like on this like road trip with like the Mm -hmm. women kind of coming in and out. And there's like barely there. And then like, I was watching the film that, you know, last week and was really surprised that like, they're actually playing major roles. And like this movie does focus on relationships more than I thought that it did. So you're right to pick this. Like it's not a traditional romantic comedy, but I was like, you know what? I want to, I was like, I trust you. Um, because you're a rom-com guy. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's separate. <laughs> Um, but I was like, you're a rom-com guy. You wouldn't steer me wrong. Like, I asked Dave about it. He agreed that it was it can be called a romantic comedy. So, I yeah. I mean, I'm glad you picked it. Um, so, do you remember the first time you saw it? Because, like, you know, you said you were kind of uninterested in it. But then, like, you kind of found it. So, like, what was the, what was the process there? Okay. So, um, well, let's see. I, I won't talk uh, too much shit here. But, so, this was introduced to me. Uh, through an ex-girlfriend and I don't remember thinking she had the well I won't say she didn't have great taste in movies she had very different tastes than myself so 
there was already you know those barriers I mentioned about sideways. Where I'm like, that's that's not for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about that world, and I like Paul Giamatti, but I don't really want to see him be sad for two hours <laughs> as his friend like hooks up with women all over wine country or whatever. Um, so the young lady that I was dating at the time, she went to see it with her friends, and it's not that you know she was like some sort of like burgeoning wine snob either but she liked it and she i mean she just came out and said it's funny you should watch it it's a funny movie um i did not heed that advice because i didn't go see it in theaters like she did uh, but i caught up with it on video and i'm i have a distinct image of my mind uh of just like thinking about like what a loser i was or how like <laughs> i was so the opposite uh of the audience that should be watching this or like reveling in it and then i remember i had just uh taken out a frozen pizza and sat down to watch this on dvd <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was like you know i was drinking a beer uh, or you know just something that like, far removed may have been like even like a coke or something uh that these characters were not and eating a frozen pizza by myself watching this and um uh, I don't know. Sometimes those like happy accidents end up being like the movies that uh, you really are drawn to uh, yeah. and didn't expect. So that was that was what this was. You know, after I should have just taken the advice and should have watched it, but I ended up having a really cool experience with it, where I came in ready to be really combative with the film uh, and was not. And a part of it was, you know, I would say for the first, I don't know, like. 15 minutes it really is sort of sad bastard paul giamatti stuff and so i it took a while before i got into it and so the point you brought up about romance playing a bigger part and when we're having these like private dms about it uh i you know you don't have to apologize to me but i was like you should apologize to virginia madsen because i love her (laughs) character of maya and i'm like you're forgetting like you know how great she is and so when she comes into the picture and she's more than just uh, the romantic ideal to like get uh, Mr. Giamatti's character of Miles like back on the horse. Yeah. Uh, that's that's when I you know really am taken with with the movie. And if I'm gonna be perfectly honest, you know I'm probably way more like Thomas Hayden Church as far as <laughs> if I ever showed up in wine country, uh, my response would be like, I don't know, it tastes pretty good to me. Like <laughs> that's that's probably gonna be my 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 take on it. So I liked having the uh, I guess the dumb the dumb guy along with the the more you know wine snobbier characters you made along the way. Yeah, I mean I think that like this movie, even though it is like all about wines and like knowing different wines, it's not really. I think it's kind of like it's a good wine movie for people like you and me who aren't wine mm. connoisseurs because, yeah. like, for one thing, everything kind of gets explained, so we kind of understand, you know, what's you know what they're actually talking about. But also, like Paul Giamatti being like this like wine snob, like I think he the movie kind of pokes fun at him for like a kind of being a you know a dick about it, but also because like he acts like he's this like very you know, elitist and like sophisticated guy, but like his whole life is a mess. Like his whole, his whole, like this whole persona he's like putting on to, you know, to Virginia Madsen, to like the people he means to himself is a whole lie. And that like his life outside of this movie, at least like before it starts is very much like, you know, a depressing, you know, black hole of nothingness. (laughs) Well, you have to. So I, I mentioned how much I, you know, liken myself to the the idiot character, the uh, yeah. the wine every man of Jack, played by Thomas Hayden Church, and that's, you know, you see it with people in different walks of life where it's more, it's more a reflection of where they're at on who they choose to surround yeah. themselves with, and so yeah. The the character of Miles is very comfortable talking down to Jack about wine. Because he's bringing along someone, you know, he's kind of forcing his own sensibilities on uh, Jack's, you know, week-long bachelor party. And he's taking him to a place where he knows he's not going to be aware of, of, of the culture and everything. He's he's going to be the one coming in second. He doesn't know who Maya is. He doesn't know that the people that work at these, these bars or these restaurants they go to. And there's a scene where I think Miles is trying to show off uh, when uh, Jack, when they first meet the Sandra O oh character of Stephanie where you know clearly you know his friend is having some sort of moment some sort of you know mild beginning of a flirtation with this woman and he can't help himself but to make 
make himself the center of attention by being just a prick about right. the wine that's being served. And uh, what I love about that sequence is that Stephanie actually kind of agrees with him. Like, you know, she's she's doing her job and she's not going to be like crass or coarse about it. But she's like, you know what? I kind of agree with you on that one. And that yeah, like, yeah. I think it so perfectly undercuts. You know, th- this is a version of mansplaining, right? He's comfortable <laughs> yeah. talking down and over people. Uh, I say that, you know, tongue firmly in cheek because that's kind of what we're doing on a podcast. Like we just talk at great length, <laughs> hopefully to be entertaining to people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's he doesn't even recognize when he's like making a good point uh, because I, I think he's lost that sense of direction like within himself as well. Like he says some interesting things, but he only recognizes that when like the character of Maya is actually interested in hearing what he has to say. Like, and that's that's kind of when he stops. And, of course, then when he stops, he starts to overthink it and, you know, gets caught up in his own head, which I think a lot of people probably can relate to at some point in their life. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I first saw this movie, like, I, like you, I saw it on DVD. Like, I'm pretty sure I rented it from, uh, from the Blockbuster or one of those places. And because, um, like, I was too young to see it. I think I was about 15 when this movie came out. Or 15, or 15 or 16. So, um, I, yeah, I definitely, like, watched it um, as, like, a teenager and was definitely in this, like, what is this? Like, this is so boring. Like, I was not into it at all. And I was just, like, I mean, I hadn't even, like, watched it since then until, you know, last week. And um, so, but I, I was thinking, like, like, I responded so, like, heavily to this movie when I was, you know, at that age, and then now watching it, like, I kind of see, like, I, I feel like I enjoy. I mean, obviously, I enjoyed it a lot more, and I could, like, kind of poke holes in the characters a little more and, like, mm. see them not, like, yeah, like, like we were saying about that, like, opening scene with Sandra Oh, it's, like, when I was younger, I was probably, like, wow, like, this movie is, like, this guy is, like, the main character of this movie, like, he's being such a jerk. But now I'm like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see that they're like making fun of him being that way and how it's like kind of a um, like a like a parody of this like know-it-all wine guy. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to like look at this movie. Like, I wonder what it would be like to watch this movie in like 15 another 15 years, you know, hmm. when I'm like 45, and like I mean, probably like relate more to the characters like as you know as they're living their lives. I definitely think it's you know it's a it's a guy's movie. Uh, yeah. I think of it, um, you know, it's very similar in certain ways to Swingers, which is a, a favorite of mine, which I probably wouldn't like. That's that would be one I wouldn't recommend to your podcast because uh, the actual like romance element, if you you know, a, a proper romance with Heather Graham doesn't come into the the picture until like so late in the game. Uh, but it is very much like. Yeah the bromance type thing where it's, right. you know, it's about these friendships. Uh, it's about how men sort of emasculate each other. And you definitely get a more grown up version of that in sideways. And I think it's a little more tragic that way. Like, you know, there's, there's various sequences where the Thomas Hayden church character, as you said, he kind of like puts up with like his friend being a jackass as long yeah. as he's can be like removed from it. But as soon as he's, feels like he's going to be dragged down which in his viewpoint for this week him being dragged down means he's going to be cock blocked in a way <laughs> from his friend if he's if he's not going to get laid that's when there's like a little bit of sod kind of goes away and miles even says it later on in the film that's like you know this is just a guy i randomly got assigned to uh my freshman year of college like he he's able to key into the fact that there's really nothing that they share in common other than just like chance it's just chance that they were like college roommates yeah, yeah. for whatever reason they you know have kept in touch they you know they, they're close enough to where you know you, you have this one-on-one bachelor party week between the two of them but you know there's there was definitely like elements where i, I would love to hear you know a woman's perspective on it because uh in particular with the sandra o character you know, she's she's the one left in the dark, and you know, there's there's possibly some genuine harm there. Uh, not that she's like 
you know, week that, you know, this one bad fling with a guy is like a damager. But the fact that she, you know, she does mention she, her child is kind of brought into it. You know, there's this, you know, she's allowed this man to like come into her world. I have a lot to say about Sandra Oh in this movie. And she, I mean, she gets hers, right? I mean, she, she gets, yeah, but like, (laughs) okay. I mean, we can get into it because like, I just sort of buy, buy her as a sort of like sex pot bartender, you know? And like, I can, understand like her like wanting to have this like fling she's very like free whatever sexual you know but um i guess like i could also kind of buy her as like a single mom who's like you know relies on her own mom for child care but then like i it rang really false to me that she would introduce her kid to this like random guy that she's known for like a couple of days and then like um like to me that just felt so like forced and I didn't really know like why that was in there. Um, I, like I like I can kinda get it, like okay, yeah, like, you know, we're seeing Thomas Hidden Church make a lot of promises and like mm-hmm, tell right. you know, tell her uh, you know, that he's like in love with her and wants to like move like move there with her. And like I can totally buy that like he believes it in the moment as it's mm-hmm. like, you know, pre wedding jitters, but to me, it's just like her, that whole arc just felt so, like, I don't know, unnecessary. Like, I feel that you could do all of that without bringing in this kid. Because now, like, I'm watching this whole movie being like, okay, but this poor kid got introduced to this guy. And now, like, is like he's, like, tucking her into bed and, like, playing mm. with her. And I'm, like, like treating her like a stepdaughter. And I'm, like, yeah, there's a weird... Intimacy to those scenes. I couldn't, like, I couldn't get past how traumatic that would be for this kid. And, like, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, she gets hers. Like, she beats him up with her purse, which is very fun. Um, But it was just, like, and, like, they bring in, like, her, was that her her own mom? Like, at the bowling alley? Like Yeah, it becomes a full-on, like, family event. Like, (laughs) It was just like, I mean, yeah, so like, I felt like her character started off really cool. And like, I was like, okay, I love this idea of this like single bartender who's just like, you know, ready to have this like fling. And, but then like, as it gets more serious, I'm like, I really don't buy any of this. And I'm finding it really hard to like, um, really hard to just be convinced that this is something that would actually, like, it didn't feel authentic at all. Well, it's hard because we don't have access to to her, right, right? or her world. Like we we only see it through, <laughs> not even Jack's eyes. We just see it through Miles as like the right. outsider to this relationship that he does not in any way, shape, or form agree with. Right? Yeah. He seems, yeah, you know, he's powerless to to really stop it or control right. it because many times over, his friend emphasizes that this is like his week. You know, like that he'll do a certain amount, but I mean, it, it in one little rant it comes down to basically he, he just wants to get laid you know before he gets married he wants to get laid have sex yeah. with someone else um so yeah i mean i agree with it because that's that seems it, you know and i guess that's maybe a rom-comish trope that a lot of things happen maybe far too quickly uh but the rest of it like is so grounded like you know the way maya and miles you know their, yeah. their interactions like even when he attempts to kiss her you know, it's not a dramatic rejection. It's just not. It's not an invitation at that point um, for more because she she has more respect for him than he has for himself. You know, because I, I love that. You know, he takes that as a rejection because she doesn't want to do anything physical that evening. But she's seeing it as you know he's he's too drunk and she's she's wanting to engage with an actual person. You know, yeah. not not with this idea of a fling and she's the one that you know she continues to like want to have conversations with him she you know <laughs> she takes that like mammoth she, book i also felt like virginia madsen might have just been um a little just a little humiliated because like after she has that incredible monologue which we'll have to get to later mm, yeah there's that there's that like brief silence where i could tell she's like okay kiss me and like you know, Paul Giamatti is like, okay, I should kiss her, but then he doesn't. And it just felt like if he was going to, if they were going to kiss that night and like whatever would have happened after that, like that, that was the moment. And then it passed. And then it's like, he tried, but she's like, it's the moment's over. Like we'll have to yeah, try again. That's, that's a really interesting point. And I think that's, that's why I can absolve the film somewhat of how they handle 
Sandra O oh as a, as a mother, not yeah. you know, not as a uh, just a single woman with no attachments. Because then I don't, you know, it sucks, but I don't think it's like a major plot point if she right. finds out he's you know kind of a scumbag. Um, is that the film, you know, in certain ways it punishes its characters for for taking that leap, uh, and for just like when life kind of comes at your doorstep to just really like sort of jump in and take it by the reins. But then you have the Miles character who has. If ever there was like a movie moment for like a first kiss, it is that yeah. speech oh about God. wine that Maya gives, and he yeah. doesn't. He is just totally. And I, I love that scene because I, I love his reaction because he is genuinely like moved and touched by what she has said. Like she has expressed something to him, and he thinks he has all the answers about it, and she's expressed it in a way that he's never. He may have considered, but he could just never say it like the way she says it. She has personalized it like so well. Um, but I, I, I don't know how often I see see that in a movie where someone freezes up because they're like genuinely like enthralled with like what the other person has just said. Like you know, yeah. you see all sorts of like kind of silly moments in rom coms where like you know another person walks in or you know someone like they go for a kiss and they're interrupted or someone like you know is a klutz they fall down something like that. But a moment where someone's genuinely moved and is still kind of frozen uh, in place with the like sort of the previous dynamic of their relationship, you don't see that often. Um, but yeah. I mean, I think you make a great point as far as like you know she's kind of put herself out there to him and the world in that moment and uh you know it just just didn't happen it just he just didn't grab it interesting point that you kind of meant you know you mentioned that like um jack and stephanie they like kind of throw themselves into this like crazy role whirlwind romance mm-hmm. and with you know miles and maya it's much more subdued and you know hushed and a little more nervous and that like they don't rush into things that's like I mean, you can see the two parallels between these two friends um, in that, like, you know, Thomas Hayden Church's character is very much just, like, goes for it. He's very, like, active. He knows what he wants. He gets it. And Paul Giamatti is more, like, neurotic about it. He's more, you know, cautious, more scared. So you can say, I mean, like, in some ways, I'm kind of like, how are they friends? And, like, it <laughs> makes sense right. that they're only friends out of this, like, chance. But at the same time, that they complement each other well enough that, like, you know, you have one who's very, you know, um, very bitter, very, like, upset, but, like, wanting to, like, break out of that. And you have the other one who's just, like, almost, ca- like, carefree to a fault where he, like, does not think about his consequences, think about the consequences of his actions. And, like, well, I wanted to get your opinion because, like, this whole concept of, like, having a one last fling before getting married, like, to me, that always felt very, like, like, I can kind of understand, like, wanting to, like, flirt with someone before you get married and, like, kind of have that, like, the charge of, like, being attracted to someone else. Mm, but yeah. to me, it's almost unforgivable that he actually carried out not only an affair with Sandra O, oh, but like then also with this other waitress that they meet at the end. Yeah. And it's um, kind of like, it almost like, I honestly had to put myself into like, like mid two thousands, like kind of comedy thing where it's like, it's just kind of something that's a comedy trope that, you know, happens a lot, but like, you just kind of have to accept it because that was the time. And like now it wouldn't be ex- more, it wouldn't be acceptable in the movie well I mean, okay so there's like a uh, uh, on that note there's a scene that has always stuck with me that I and I because I go back to it a lot because it's especially with the changing times yeah. uh, so like it's a you know when he's badgering when Thomas Hayden Church's character is badgering uh, Miles about whether or not he you know closed the deal with Maya and you know what's happened is uh, <laughs> accidentally um Miles has let slip, you know, what the real situation is, why they're really there, you know, the, the wedding that Jack's getting married, and so that that that's ruined. And you have Jack, like, because he's his friend is not reciprocating in the way that he expects another man to reciprocate, he calls him gay, basically. Like and yeah. he does it in this way that I've always found really uh, like I said, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but it's like it's not even said as if it's an insult. It's like you're 
you are so far removed from my impulses and my tendencies on how I treat other people physically, romantically, if you want to stretch and call it that, uh, that you must be operating on a completely different level from you know a sexual basis. Like the, yeah. <laughs> the only way to explain why you wouldn't revel and sort of looking at sex as that like. like it's like he's a squirrel like <laughs> collecting nuts for winter like like he's looking at this wedding like and there's a lot of sex comedies that are sort of treated that way like yeah. he has to like get as much of this uh to like make this like monogamous relationship last and i always found that like like strangely like realistic on how like my like upbringing as far as how like men like the guys i grew up with would talk to each other because like you're, you're younger than me but um you know i i graduated high school in 2001 and so like even though i grew up in a small town in kentucky like the culture had shifted enough at least as far as what we watched on television what we consumed in movies that um, you know, being gay or that being like a choice, an option for people was not something that was seen as shameful. It was just like, it was like genuinely sort of looked upon as like if I had a preference for like redheads as opposed to blondes. And so I always looked at this scene as like, okay, so extrapolate that from Kentucky to California where you have two guys, presumably like one of them, even though he's like a soap opera actor, is in the arts, the other one like, you know, is a failed writer. So that scene is put there, I don't think, in any way to like bash someone for their sexual preferences. But it's like this guy can't – he can't even entertain anyone that would like to have sex with women like him as choosing to not take advantage if the option presented itself. Which I think it makes that scene far more damning than if the guy was just like uh, you know, being homophobic in that sequence. You, you mentioned like this guy, like not only like having this like possibly traumatizing relationship for Sandra O's character and her child and her you know, mother, whoever, but it's not just that. It's not like he's looking at one last fling. The, these people are just like they're just physical beings. That's all. And somehow he's able to like make it strangely intimate i don't know if that's his acting background but like he can't he can't look at other people as like through their eyes through their experiences and so even with this guy that he's known for presumably like 20 years you know that that guy that's the time where he decides to like genuinely question like if you don't treat people this way then are are you gay in that instance so i kind of wanted your take on that because that's when i think about how you know this movie is aged i think that's probably like the most challenging or maybe like hot button scene you have between these two dudes yeah i mean it's just like it's so hard because like i i try not to be the guy who's like okay i'm gonna watch a movie from you know 10 15 20 years ago and hold it to some standard that you know we have now because like i know like things i mean it's such a like hack thing to say but like it's true like you know, even if things, even if like certain things were never okay, but like society just let it be okay, like that's still, a, you know, it's still true that like some like standards of society were different and mm-hmm. back then, and like there are things that we do now that in 15 years from now we're gonna be like, what were we thinking? <laughs> so like I tried to like when I, when I was watching this movie and like kind of could understand like the vibe of it and like how we're, I'm good, you know, I was like I'm gonna be watching a movie about a guy who's like cheats on his fiance and like that's just like you know what it's about and i have to deal with that and you know it's a movie where we're gonna have like the only like only major person of color be this like sexy stereotype and that's that's just where that's what we're dealing with and that's fine um and so when it comes to like that scene that you were talking about it was like i was like yeah i mean like that's just like in general like people in a movie like this with like two you know, heterosexual white guys, they're just going to be, it's just like how they're going to be talking to each other and about each other and about women. So I was like, it's, it's annoying, but it's also like, you know, that's just like what was acceptable in the, you know, mainstream culture back then. So. Well, it's also paralyzing for the the character to like, 
you're, you're sort of like boxing yourself in to right. acting a certain way because that's yeah. how that's how we act. And when I say we, he's talking about his friend because it's like, well, you know, why why are you not like pretty much kind of sticking to the plan of what this is? And there's there's of course a disconnect that reveals itself as this week goes on that you know they both have very different ideas as far as how they were going to spend a, a week together. You know, sending sending one friend off to to getting married. You know, the the following Saturday. I feel like this movie has a lot to do with you know this kind of like rigid, you know, masculinity, you know, heterosexuality type thing. It's especially when it comes to uh, Thomas' hidden church. Um, I really think his performance is actually like really great, and I think he's doing a lot to. Um, I think he's doing a lot to uh, make sure that his character isn't coming off like too much of too much of a jerk. Like he kind of is, but then like at the end, you kind of see him like finally break down and you know show his like more vulnerable side. And I well, he's he's pathetic in that moment. Yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like yeah, that's exactly the word I was looking for. Like pathetic. Like he kind of puts on this act of like being this like macho guy, but you think like. He was an actor who was on a popular TV show. Now he's doing commercials, and he like might abandon acting to like go into business. Like, I know that like that's there's something wrong with that like on its own, but just like for someone like him, like his life is just like completely like I just felt like it's totally different than like what he had wanted. And the fact and like he's like acting out in these ways by like chasing women and just like going for these like um, superficial thrills. And just like lying and stuff as a way of, yeah, it's like a midlife crisis, you know. Like, so I mean, I can appreciate that, and I, um, I don't know how much of that was like intended at the time, but I mean, I like to think that, you know, filmmakers were as were smarter than to just like present this like at face value. I I remember reading something where uh, Alexander Payne. Um, basically, like he bought the rights to the, uh, I guess the, the book. I don't even know if it had been published yet. If they just, if he just had an advanced copy or something. Uh, but he bought the film rights, and the first thing he said to the author, which I don't know if the author necessarily agreed with him, was, um, "I really like this story because um, all of your characters are like, you know, truly like desperate and pathetic people." Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think. You know, the filmmaker, I think, sees both, you know, both the men like this. Like, I mean, the worst thing you can say about Sandra O's character is if there's a desperation, it's that she, you know, uh, she's damned for, like, hoping that, (laughs) you know, that people are basically good and mean what they say. You know, that's that's not something like, you know, I never want to, like, condemn someone like I, I think, like, saying someone is, like, naive is probably like to me is like one of the like harshest things you can say to someone because you're basically challenging their decency uh and saying that they shouldn't be they shouldn't look at the world uh with that decency they should change it to something like harsher and colder and i you know I'm, i'm not totally comfortable with that idea um but certainly she's you know she's far less guarded as you point out than than maya who can you know she's you know kind of managing or reading the situation um in a polite but somewhat you know calculated way you know what's what's but appropriate I, I, at the that thing moment is that i i feel like this movie is showing sandra o to be naive because you, like you just use the the worst insult i could imagine you're just picking on poor sandra o who's, no no yeah. but like <laughs> yeah i mean I, I don't think it's me doing that. i think it's the movie doing that like i really feel like she like um, the way that they like portray look the way that Alexander Payne portrays her character like to me just felt like almost like insulting to the character because they like, they're just she's just going through all these things with like this guy after like I don't know I mean I guess it, it's like as we were saying earlier like it's hard to know because like she's not a perspective character like she's very much I mean she's like the fourth lead like she's minimal screen time and like very few scenes where she can like talk about where she's going through which is you know I mean I kind of want to see the movie through her eyes because I want to know like what exactly is going on that she's become so attached to this guy after like a couple of days um but you know I mean yeah like I guess like she 
I guess, like, to me, this just seems like when she's first introduced, she becomes, like, I mean, she feels very, like, kind of, like, worldly and, like, cool and, like, fun. And then as the movie goes on, it's just, like, she just becomes so, like, attached. So Yeah. I mean, you imagine that, you know, in that first introductory sequence, yeah, yeah. this is not her first rodeo as far as right, you know, men exactly. coming on to her at that, yeah. that bar. And, um, I, I mean, I think... I don't. I always read it because I, I think it was interesting the way they cast Thomas Hayden Church. And, you know, as we talked about, eventually, you know, he does fully break down and like reveal like sort of how like low he can actually get in front of this friend of his who he's like sort of berated and like challenges like masculinity at different points. Um, I don't know, and and we don't know because we don't see it from her point of view. But does she? Does she see him as, you know, somewhat non-threatening? I think we look at him as very threatening because we know his motives, you know, throughout. Yeah. He explains them in detail. But I think maybe she kind of looks at him like kind of dorky. Like, I don't know if she necessarily thinks Thomas Hayden Church is that far removed yeah. from his friend Paul Giamatti. And I, I mean, I choose to look at it that way because of what happens to her as well. Right. You want to whine? Oh, I think I... I originally got into wine through my ex-husband. Mm. You know, he had this big sort of show-off cellar, you know? Right. But then I discovered that I had a really sharp palate. Mm. And the more I drank, the more I liked what it made me think about. Like what? Like what a fraud he was. <laughs> no, I mean, I like to think about the life of wine. I like to think about what was going on the year the grapes were growing how the sun was shining if it rained i like to think about all the people who tended and picked the grapes and if it's an old wine how many of them must be dead by now i like how wine continues to evolve like, if I opened a bottle of wine today, it would taste different than if I'd opened it on any other day. Because a bottle of wine is actually alive. And it's constantly evolving and gaining complexity. That is until it peaks. Like you're 61. And then it begins its steady, inevitable decline. And it tastes so fucking good. I want to talk a little bit more about Virginia Madsen. So I think she's like the secret weapon in this mm. movie. Um, you know, she's Oscar nominated for her performance here, as was Thomas Hayden Church. Um, but I was surprised that she got the nomination, uh, not because she's like bad, but because like in some ways you can sort of downplay like what her performance is really doing for this movie. Because, you know, like I said earlier, like, what I, I guess in my memory, like, this movie was, like, very much about these two guys. And I thought it was just a lot of scenes of them, you know, like, trying wines and talking. And just, like, the girls kind of coming in and out. But um, I really find her character fascinating. I, I, I think it's kind of, um, it's interesting. I mean, she has really great chemistry with Paul Giamatti. And I like how she's, like, a wine connoisseur and... I feel like in some ways she's a more authentic one than Paul Giamatti because I feel like her relationship to wine as a hobby is more emotionally felt than his is. And in some ways I think this movie is implying that he uses his this like kind of wine hobby as like a mask for his alcoholism. Mm. Did you get that implication? Or am I reading too much into no, it? No, no, not at all. Um, because it's you know it's it's a way to it's a crutch for him that if he puts himself in a particular spot in the world like you know kind of forcing his friend to this this trip um, he can drink to excess but he gets to <laughs> sort of pontificate and lecture as he's getting you know drunk uh, because that's you know that's what we're here to do we're here to we're here to drink um, he I, I mean it's it's definitely self-medicating right through his, his pain um, from this divorce that he's not over. And it's just, it's strikingly different from how Maya introduces, you know, how she got into wine through her uh, ex-husband and 
she says, you know, the first thing she loved about wine was that it revealed how full of shit her ex-husband was. Which, yeah. I mean, it's a great line, and, it, you know, it throws, you know, Paul Giamatti throws Miles off guard, too. It's it's worth a chuckle there, because that's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a very revealing, you know, I don't know how many hobbies you have where, um, they were started through, like, spite. <laughs> I don't know, like, a, I don't think I, I have one currently where I'm like, I, I did that as like a challenge, like as an fu to someone, uh, someone else that was like into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think she's just, you know, she's she's uh, she's more honest about it. Like she and in that speech she gives, I, I don't. I mean, it's it's a great speech, but I, at least the way she plays it, it feels genuine, and that it's someone reaching for like how to explain what she feels. And usually in movies or sometimes just in life, if you have someone that uh, has like a really nice way to put something or they, they speak at great length on the subject, uh, I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I find myself like wondering, like, how many times have they given this speech or how many times have they just been waiting for the opportunity to talk about this like particular book or this like song that they really like? And, you know, at times, Miles definitely feels like he's overly prepared on like his review and what he's going to say about something. And she doesn't, she just seems, she seems like she's speaking somewhat off the cuff with like sort of genuine thought and to the word, you know, what word she's using to express herself. I, I like what you say about how he feels like he has like a whole speech prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause I, I, I feel like that's, you know, I was reading this article today or the other day about, um, like the differences between like men and women when it comes to like pop culture fandoms. And it kind of put me into perspective about like this film, because uh, like the article was saying that like men like to just like accumulate, accumulate knowledge and always have like a library of like information that they can just like use, you know, in some ways. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. um, and the article was saying that sometimes they, they use it to uh, be like a gatekeeper and like uh, test, you know, other other fans. And like, if you don't get everything right, then you're not a real fan. And like, women like to um, or tend to, I guess, like think more like critically about stuff and like have like react to it on a more um, like intellectual, thoughtful way. And of course, I mean, this article was like very was talking about things in a very like basic way, like very standard binary way. Mm-hmm. And so of course it's not true for like true for everyone. Um, but it's so I was thinking about like, um, you know, Virginia Madsen having this like very emotional speech about, you know, wine and being very thoughtful and her description of, you know, why she cares for it and like what it does for her. And, and, um, and, you know, with, you know, with uh, Paul Giamatti, it's very much like, well, I like this, you know, I like, I don't like these certain wines. I like this wine. I like the grape for this. And, not, you know, it's like he feels like he, he knows a lot, and that's very interesting. But at the same time, like, I don't feel like he doesn't have a strong emotional connection to it um, as she does. And, like, maybe it's just because, like, she's probably in, like, a healthier place emotionally, during this film than he is. So maybe like she's just coming across more confident and um, self-assured about, you know, this hobby that she has. And, I mean, hobby that she wants to like turn into a career. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I found it interesting. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. If you interpret it well, differently. No, I mean, I think if you've been, if you've been online for like a day, <laughs> you've, you've <laughs> yeah. probably like seen or been part of, uh, yeah. fortunately, like, you know, and it does tend to seem, you know, I, I like what you said as far as like the very first thing with, and when anything things, these type of things come up where it's like, okay, we're going to look at this like from like a, a man's perspective or a woman's, you know, inevitably you have that, you know, if I'm a, I'm a dude and uh, especially being online, like where I'm a, a straight white guy, like, I could fall into that line of thinking where I'm going to look at almost everything defensively <laughs> where, you know, I, I am, I am the, the enemy or I am just the, like, you know, for lack of a better term, I'm the vanilla option on something. But w- what you're not doing is you're not, you know, you're not taking anything in. And I, I think the, 
the standard, you know, seems to be male discourse or like male fandom discourses in particular online is to like bludgeon someone into submission with yeah rhetoric of some sort. Like, you know, and it's, uh, it's probably, it's most unseemly for me when, um, it's put out there as if it is like without any sort of emotion behind it. But right. you have to wonder like, well, why are you engaging with those people? Like clearly you're, you're just engaging with a stranger, like, to that level where like you're say you're tweeting over and over again, uh, there is some sort of emotional response, whether you want to admit it or not. And the fact that you don't want to admit it sort of makes it more damning. But, you know, in sideways, yeah, I think Miles is certainly guilty of that, like that accumulation of I think in his mind, you know, it's accumulation that equals value. Like I if I drink enough to excess, if I, you know, read enough or if I just talk enough, then I've, I'm, you know, I have merit for doing the things I do or saying the things I say. Yeah. Um, Maya, I think she's just, she's comfortable. She's comfortable with the gaps in her knowledge, which everyone yeah. should be. She's comfortable right. with like, if she's had that experience or not, you know, here's what she can contribute to the dialogue. Here's what she can contribute to the world. And she's open to, having new experiences you know she's uh, i think i think the worst scene for miles um and it's not one that i see brought up a lot is i've never really liked his reaction when she reveals that she's like going to school and as you said she's going to like pursue this further like this and it's like she's like taking something from him like She's taking the only thing in his mind he has of value to offer her is knowing more about this like one thing. And the fact that she's decided to pursue it further is like you can see it like crushes him, which is like, you know, the opposite reaction of what you should have for another human being. If they're like saying, hey, I'm going to like I'm going to go back to school or I'm going to like change careers. I'm going to do this. Or like, you know, you should be. Oh, that's cool. That's like I mean, maybe it's a boring response, but then that's your time to like, you know, ask them questions or, you know, like any of that. So that's, that's the worst thing, you know, miles attempts to be a good friend to Jack, but he's not, you know, he's not fully formed as like a good person. Like, and And I think, I mean, I feel like he's enabling Jack a lot and yeah, I mean, yeah, well, he's, Look, he, just because he can point to the guy standing next to him, you know, not literally, but the guy on the road trip with him uh, to Maya and say, hey, I'm not him because I'm not doing that. doesn't necessarily mean you're like worthy of her just because, <laughs> because you don't have, you know, a bride yeah, cheating on her. So when, yeah, like when he kind of let, lets it slip that, you know, Jack is getting married and. You know, she has this, like, really great reaction, where at first I'm like, okay, but, like, why like why are you getting so mad at him? Because, like, I mean, as much as, like, he might be, like, the more mature one in this, like, friend in this friendship, like, he can't control everything that Jack does. And, like, mm-hmm. I think, like, if I had a friend, I mean, I guess it's easier said to, it's easier to say, like, oh, if I had a friend like Jack, I wouldn't let him cheat on his fiance. But at the same time, you can't control what people do. And, like, um, going along with it, I guess it's, like, he's somewhat complicit in it, but also, like, you know, Jack is going to do what he wants to do. I mean, I don't think anyone could have really have stopped him. But then I also kind of thought that, like, you know, I guess it shows a lot about your character, like, you know, that, I, that he is associated with this guy and, like, doesn't call him out on it ever until it's kind of too late. And, um... Well, it's personally like damning to him. That's when he, yeah, <laughs> when he right, really yeah, throws it exactly. Out there. <laughs> because like you know, she has that really great line where she's like, he was like, I, uh, he, I think he was saying like I was gonna tell you or something, and she says, well, you wanted to like sleep with me first, mm-hmm. which I was like, whoa, <laughs> like yeah, I like I was not expecting her to like call him out so like clearly, and just like so succinctly, and yeah, I was really. Um, to me, I was like, wow, like they're really letting this woman be like an actual human being and like with her own, um, like she's not just like this like fantasy wine lady, you know, she's like actually has like, you know, three dimensional kind of character to her. So I was really, well, really yeah, 
yeah, they, I mean, one of the things I really like about the movie is you usually see that. I mean, the I, the manic pixie dream girl sort of trope, um, which is used a lot when it's and it's used even when they're not, I guess, considered uh, manic pixie dream girls, but uh, they're pick me ups, right? Um, and it, it could be gender swap too. Uh, where yeah. if if this one thing happens, if this you know one romance um, clicks in some way, or we you know we have sex, or you know we we run through the city and embrace each other, we get married, whatever you know we're building towards in that particular rom com, that it you know does the Jerry Maguire thing where it completes the other person because you don't you know you don't have to stick around with them for very long. And <laughs> I like that's one thing I like about the I guess the age of the characters here. Is that you know both? I guess the, the the romance you're rooting for is between two people who have been married and divorced. So they're yeah yeah they're they're not going to be swept off their feet as much. And it's it is interesting. And I guess it's like why we root for Miles is that it's clear that he he has become kind of like swept away yeah uh, by her. And I mean he I believe him like uh, when he he says you know that 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 bit of intimacy that they shared that that physical connection it was like a big deal for him like the entire pretty much the entire week with with my is like a huge deal for him um and it's being stripped away now <laughs> the other aspect of the film i like is that you know he comes back from that i mentioned the scene where you know jack you know wonders aloud if he's gay and he has that, that very funny bit about it like you know go ahead and write my gay confession for me i don't care um <laughs> because that that i'm telling you that is like totally like um you know something that i think men would men would say to each other but if if Paul Giamatti like actually like let's say it became a very different movie and he's like well you know actually I think I am gay like I, I totally believe that Thomas Hayden Church uh it would be like would flip totally right he would be like he would not talk to someone that way but it's weird that in a hyper masculine sort of straight guy version of this that it's totally okay to treat like sex with there's like such a disconnect there that that's something like you, you drive through like a fast food joint and it's like what you didn't have sex like you know that's it's so meaningless yeah however you know even after that sequence does paul g Mai's character like take that opportunity to say like look you know this has been like, you know, extremely like harming to me. This was like a really important moment. And I thought something like really beautiful was going to happen come out of this week. No, he still runs away from it. You know, he did, he did, he makes the joke. He makes the easy joke. Like just write my gay confession. Can we please just leave? Don't answer the phone. Like he hides from it. That's, you know, that that's one element. I think in a different movie, you would see more personal growth from the character to separate himself from, you know jack from the guy doing wrong but instead he just sort of doubles down into the old ways where as you said he just allows things to happen he doesn't take control of anything yeah. and that's when sandra oh comes back in the picture because he has not told him <laughs> he has not told him like you know that every all the cards are about to be on the table and jack just doesn't realize it yeah yeah um and even then he like doesn't take he doesn't like own up to the fact that he was the one that let it slip he kind of blames that like one <laughs> Flames the bartender, the nice, perfectly nice bartender. I know, I love that guy. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, um, I was really also impressed by like how beautiful this movie was, like the cinematography of like mm. these like beautiful vineyards and locations, and like the score. I think was like really, mm-hmm. um, really popular at the time. I think there's a well. I mean, wasn't this this was the movie right where because of his big rant. Uh, about like you know wines that he likes or dislikes. Like oh yeah, that, Mer- that yeah. Has- Sales from Merlot like, yeah. really dipped after this. <laughs> That's you know, uh, yeah. Clearly, I had no effect on that as I'm eating my frozen pizza and drinking a beer <laughs> <laughs> watching this. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I think that it's a very like bringing up the way it looks. I think it's like a strangely like um, kind of cozy and warm film. Like yeah. it, it honestly like, and some people might see it as like a knock on it. I think most of the film feels like that scene between Maya and Miles, but <laughs> it's juxtaposed with like you know scenes of a, a a very desperate Miles like waking up from falling asleep with like a 
pornography magazine <laughs> on his chest and like feverishly like you know cleaning himself with a shower to like on the, on the mere chance that he'll get to see Maya like at the the wine bar. Um, so yeah. like it, I think it adds to the humor of it that there's the style of the film doesn't really change from like those sort of quiet sweet moments to those like moments of like pathetic desperation which is you know if, if you know me that's you know this is the perfect rom-com for me like that, that i swing from <laughs> sweet to pathetic desperation i'm totally comfortable in both those zones <laughs> um yeah i mean i don't really have any final thoughts but is there anything else you want to bring up before we finish up here i only want to ask you um if you remember at all the other like options we discussed and if you regret not uh, taking, uh, you know, the, the, the road we didn't travel uh, doing another uh, uh, rom-com for this. I remember you mentioned the uh, 100 foot journey. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember the other one, but I'm glad we talked about this movie because I, um, yeah, I mean, I actually enjoyed it. I mean, I think you and I both kind of, kind of, um, agree that it's a little dated and there are some like problems here and there but like overall like it's a well-written funny movie great performances great soundtrack you know looks great um and i think it's interesting i mean it's um i think there's a lot going on here and like alexander Payne is not one of my favorite directors i mean i like election like everyone else does but for the most part i'm not a huge fan of his um so, but it, like this movie, I was really, um, I felt like it was really like smart and funny, and had, I think had a really like um, really like fascinating central, you know, relationship. And Virginia Madsen is, you know, a queen. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> always happy you know, to see her. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that goes back to my DM where I'm like, hey, don't yeah. don't don't sleep on her, you know, I that know. you're forgetting. It was a great moment. Um, I think the other one was uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. So. I, oh yeah, I mean that's I mean that's a great movie. So probably would we'll have dated. to come back for that. Yeah, I would say it's probably dated in a different way because it's yeah you know, a very specific point in time for you know music and uh, teen culture uh, there. But I've not rewatched that one since initial release, so uh, I have no idea what I was said about it. So I'm probably a little bit more in my comfort zone. Strangely, with Sideways, even though I know nothing about wine. Uh, the hundred foot journey. I know nothing about cooking either, so I don't know why I pick such things. Uh, but those are just movies I like to watch. But and, I, uh, I feel like you know a version of Sideways that's not about wine, but about something else. Like I think it could be like wine is just like the hook. It's just like the gimmick, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't I don't think of this as like a movie where like you have to know everything about wine. I think if they did it about you know like architecture or mm-hmm. whatever, it would be the, the same. Which I, yeah. I mean, I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, I think because you, you started this conversation was it's like it's probably actually better for the people who know less about wine. Yeah. <laughs> if you get hung up on like you know what Miles is ranting about, because right. to me you're just you know you're just getting a general mood, a sense of who this guy is, not like focusing on yeah. like well I disagree with that. I actually you know I like Marlowe or whatever he's talking about. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, thank you for having me on and uh, well, putting up with so my much. rambling. And uh, where can people find you online? What do you oh, God, to? I'm on far too many podcasts. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if you... Uh, if you if you like my buddy Dave, who apparently gave the seal of approval on uh, Sideways, uh, we host a show together called A Podcast Directed By, uh, where each month we look at one particular filmmaker. And if you like, you know, if you like hearing me talk about uh, romantic tropes in film, I uh, occasionally host a show called The Grand Gesture, which is uh, kind of going through the uh, the different stages, the meet cute, the breakups, and you know, romantic grand gestures, and if you could actually apply those to real life, uh, and if they would work. So, I'd love to have you on that one. Uh, if you want to get, you know, a little personal, well, absolutely. Know, I embarrass myself every episode, saying like, okay, here's what these two couples, you know, here's what they did. Uh, so, uh, you know, have I ever tried this in real life? Yes, and it failed spectacularly. <laughs> so that's usually how every episode ends. Um, but yeah, we'll pick one and have to do that for that show. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. I, you know, I just started listening to your podcast and I, I love rom-coms. So, um, I probably did the worst episode possible, uh, which is a good thing since I was involved with it. I don't have to listen to it. So I apologize. Uh, to all no, your listeners. This is great. Thank you so, so <laughs> much for coming 
Um, did you? I'm sorry. Did you drop your uh, Twitter handle? Okay, the Twitter handle for those the two shows I mentioned uh, is at Directed by Pod for the one with Dave, and then uh, for the Grand Gesture is at Grand Gesture Pod on Twitter. Yes, highly recommend that you know listeners go check those out. Directed by Pod, I'm a big fan of. You guys are doing Sofia Coppola, which has been great. I think you and I share a passion for one particular film of hers, I've been told. So, Maria yeah. Antoinette, yeah. Yes, check out that episode. I had That's a lot of fun with that one. Yep. my favorite Mine football too. movie. Yep, definitely. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at themanish89, T-H-E-M-A-N-I-S-H-89. Also, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so that people can find the show. Um, and thanks for listening, and go enjoy a glass of... There you go. <laughs> I, 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 now I think. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.